the mic is hot and the game is on. You're listening to News for the Nation podcast by Aces Nation, where we talk about nutrition, sports performance, the journey of a student athlete, and more. I'm Claire. I'm Zach. Time Time to to level up. up. Welcome back, sports fans. We are talking about sleep today, everything around sleep and how it improves your performance or how it affects your performance as well. We're also welcoming back Tiana Wood. Uh, if you don't know who she is, go check out episode six, Get Your Mind Right. She's talking about everything that has to do with mental resiliency and development um, in sports performance. So welcome back. Thanks. And Glad Claire, to be back. we're back, we're back in, in person. person. <laughs> <laughs> Zach's back. This is awesome. So yeah. uh, we're excited about today. Um, because I've seen things on social media, honestly, for like the last couple of days or like the last, uh, I don't know, the, the days leading up to this since we have uh, settled on this. It's like all about sleep and why it's important. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm getting like all these people from like LinkedIn, from like Instagram, like mm-hmm. all this stuff is like happening as we're, you know, preparing to talk about sleep today. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. put it on the universe and the universe gave it back to you. Yeah, they were, they were just sending me signals like, hey, it's probably a good time to talk about this. Yeah. Right. So first, we're going to talk about the stages of sleep. Tiana? Sure. Okay, so um, just to kind of introduce the whole sleep and how it breaks down and kind of the generalizations around sleep, there's the two types. So we've got non-REM and REM sleep. And the, the first portion there is kind of the first uh, four hours or so of sleep where you're in your stage one through four. So not very creative there, but Mm, those are the stages. Makes it easy Uh, to remember. There you go. (laughs) And um, there's different brain waves going on in each of those stages of sleep. And there's some kind of anecdotal things that happen in each one that we can go over that people will easily recognize as to when they've been in those stages. Um, And from there, I guess, you know, each stage breaks down generally into a 90 minute cycle. So you are going to cycle through each of those stages within 90 minutes. And then the total, um, you know, course of going through non-REM and REM sleep that cycles throughout the night as well. Hmm. So one of the, the main things, um, that people kind of, I don't think know about in general is the fact that, if you delay sleep time, so say you're someone who feels like you're a night owl and you tend to go to bed, say at midnight, because you feel like that works fine for you. Our bodies have our natural clocks inside of them. There are circadian rhythms. And even though you think that you might, you know, it makes sense that if you went to bed at 12, you'd go into your first stage of sleep. It turns out that, unfortunately, our bodies are really good with their internal clocks, so you're actually going to miss that initial first full phase of sleep. Um, So the things that your body would have done, possibly higher levels of hormone release during certain portions of that first four hours, it's super important, and missing that actually will take away from that initial stage. So just setting up the stage there for missing performance benefits from sleep that's something to think about yeah interesting well good thing i've never been a night owl yeah me either (laughs) no thank you no trying to go to bed as soon as possible yeah (laughs) (laughs) well cool yeah i i think the stages of sleep oftentimes i mean people don't really know a ton about them again this is another like sleep is not talked about a lot and 
from an athletic perspective or, or a sports perspective, it's one of the most important things that athletes can do to just be better. Yeah, it's free recovery. Yeah, it's free. <laughs> you And you have to do it. Like right. it's not an option. Same thing with eating, right? It's yeah. the same thing. It's not free, but you have to do it. Right. So right. you might as well do it the best way you possibly can to get a little bit better every single day. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I think if you need to do it, assess your sleep schedule, right? You need to assess how many hours mm -hmm. of sleep you're getting. Maybe start tracking the quality of your sleep uh, because if you feel like you need to go to cryotherapy, you should probably just sleep better or sleep more mm -hmm. first, right? If you feel like you need to do all these other types of recovery methods, you should probably make sure your sleep's on point before you do all that stuff because yeah. like we said, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably the most underutilized Oh, one too for sure yeah. yeah overlooked because um some of my research that i looked up talked about this too is like um adolescents or, or you know kids teenagers they, they all like have these other things going on that they want to do at night mm -hmm. whether that's social um in-person social stuff or like social media stuff yeah. or looking at screens i mean obviously blue light is affecting mm -hmm. your circadian rhythms and mm -hmm. stuff uh, not to jump into anything too quickly, <laughs> yeah, but we'll get there. But, but there are a lot of things affecting kids' ability to go to sleep because they can't just they can't put something down or they mm -hmm. can't turn something off in their in their head and just um, focus on that element of recovery. You know, so yeah, maybe it's stress. I don't know. Yeah, it could be all of the above. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of good um, points. I like what you mentioned with the going back to the stage one or going to sleep later. That could be an opportunity where you're missing um, a large hormone release yeah. uh, because sleep is why we wanted to talk about sleep is because from a recovery perspective, that's where you're building muscle and your body is able to pretty much like reap the benefits from what you were doing earlier that day. All of these like metabolic adaptations and um, that sort of thing, all of that is happening when you're sleeping, you're, you're forming memories and all of these things. So if again, if you can just go to sleep a little, a couple hours earlier, maybe not even a couple, maybe one, and that's going to give you the opportunity for your body to be in that state to release those hormones, to then be able to build muscle or create core memories or to remember what your coach told you at practice yesterday, <laughs> then that's important. Right. Yeah. There's in that stage between that stage one and two, I don't know if you guys have ever had um, the times where you're falling asleep and you you know you're you're basically asleep, but you'll like have a quick moment of a almost like a dreamlike state where you think you're tripping or falling or something, <gasps> and you those. kind of jolt a little bit. Yeah. And the reason you're doing that at that stage is because your muscles are like finally relaxing. You're not in that full REM sleep where you're actually paralyzed, um, but you're kind of getting through those first two stages. And within that first four hours or so, that's when in that second stage you're going to get that big growth hormone release. And um, that's when the big protein synthesis and the time for learning for those um, for those adaptations is happening. Mm -hmm. So that's a super important one not to miss because it doesn't happen at those levels that it does at that time of night at any time throughout the day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like everybody's circadian rhythm, is there like a specific time from a research perspective that is recommended for people to go to sleep or is it just more so like everybody's a little bit different but it's definitely not midnight <laughs> yeah it definitely varies per person in the amount of sleep 
um, that you need per person is different. And I know there's people out there that think they fall into that like very small percentage of people that have that. I don't know the name of it, but like there's some adaptation that very few people have where it allows them to get like five hours of sleep and be totally rested. Not me. (laughs) And a lot of people that run on very little sleep and probably a lot of caffeine are like, oh, that's definitely me. I feel great. Yeah. But it's probably chances not. Are it's not you. <laughs> no. Your body is just like in survival mode. But yeah, within, um, you know, along with the circadian rhythm type of thing, it's within several hours of sunset mm-hmm. is the best time. So okay. that, that right. varies a lot for people. And depending on where you live, that can change a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, waking around the time of sunrise or within an hour or two right. of sunrise. Right. As well. Well, let's let's talk about this. You, you mentioned a couple of hours after sunset <clears throat> in the fall, right? Sunset yeah. as you get later, closer to like December and stuff. Sun starts setting early, uh-huh. right? You may have a game that starts a couple of hours after yeah. sunset, and that mm-hmm. game may be way later, right? Yeah, and that can affect your whole sleep pattern as well. Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, what I've seen in research says that. Especially if you have a requirement the next morning. Yeah. If you have a midweek game, let's say, and you gotta wake up the next day and go to class. I, I know in college sometimes if you have those midweek games for like mm-hmm. basketball mm-hmm. or something, especially if you're traveling, you come yeah. back, you get back to like midnight or something, you got an eight AM class the next day. There's no way. You're yeah. not getting that much sleep, right? Yeah. Yeah, and your body is going to bank its need for that REM sleep. So if you don't get what you need during that night, it's going to remember that and kind of keep store of that and force you into it at some point. Mm-hmm. So um, I know that this is something that can come up with people that are severely sleep deprived. So, you know, soldiers or something, they're going to end up forcing themselves so far into that, that they start to have um, dreamlike states while they're awake. So mm-hmm. hallucinogenic yeah. type states right. mm-hmm. as well, because your wow. body's going to remember that. Yeah. Wow. We would always recommend, I mean, obviously getting a, a good night's sleep is better, but whenever there was any traveling with the teams I worked with in college sports, we typically would recommend napping. So trying to nap within like between two and 4 PM um, and trying to stick to 30 minutes or 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, some did that, some didn't. I think some were worried that it would affect their sleep later that night. Mm. But at the same time, if you're already sleep deprived, I would think it's better to to do that because you're probably going to be able to fall asleep. Right. Like that's how I would probably suggest to somebody's getting a nap. But let me ask you this question because I, I just kind of thought about this. You know how there's napping and like power napping and mm-hmm. you can feel more energized afterwards? Yeah. That's not necessarily what you're trying to do at that point, right? You're no. trying to nap for rest, not nap for quote unquote energy. Right. right? Mm-hmm. You're um, trying to bank those hours, yeah, I guess, yeah. or just get yeah. something. Yeah. You're trying to get something out of it. Well, that's an interesting concept though. If you've got practice later that day and you nap for rest, are you going to mm-hmm. feel more tired or, or, or a little more sluggish right. out of the gate instead of that power nap quality where mm-hmm. you feel a little more energized when you wake up? Yeah, that's a good point. I guess it depends what you're doing. So like, for example, when we would suggest that if they were traveling, Typically, that would be like after a walkthrough or after like, you know, a short practice or getting used to the field. I probably wouldn't recommend that right before a practice, especially like a vigorous practice or even a game. Mm -hmm. Probably wouldn't recommend that either. But I mean, ideally, you would be able to travel a little bit earlier and kind of get back into some sort of sleep cycle, sleep rhythm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, that's not always the case. Sometimes that's not ideal. But like if you have a, a midweek game for like, basketball, like you mentioned, and you're traveling, you go back late, 
what are the chances that you might have off the next day from practice? Yeah, chances could be high, but also you may be in a pretty busy week and you've mm -hmm. got to, you may be in a, I immediately have to get ready for the next game because it's yeah. coming up in like a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's like a lot that. of factors, but. There are. And it, it's tough being a student athlete mm -hmm. um, and traveling quite a bit for those things. But I just want to ask about the power, or about the napping situation, yeah. because it could be two different goals and, and right. different results coming out of those. Yeah. So I would be wary of that. Like if you're an athlete, like to use naps to your advantage, but also be aware of what your schedule is like right. and if it's going to help you or maybe hurt you even more. Yeah, like, and I would probably try to limit that so you're not trying to force yourself awake from a deep right. rest state right. where you're still groggy and right. you're yeah. not recovered Like from if that. somebody's not used to taking naps, maybe don't do that. But if you, if you take naps frequently or if it's something that you know your body can come out of or mm -hmm. like you've been adapted to, then maybe it's not a bad idea to do that just to get some extra rest. But like I, for example, I don't nap. Like unless I'm sick or I just really ran myself into the ground that day, I just don't. So I am the type of person where if I was traveling, I wouldn't nap because I know I wouldn't wake up. <laughs> right. I think there's some non-sleep restorative type activities that you could do too. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who feels like, you know, that that would be detrimental to you and you have a hard time waking up that you could do, you right. could go sit and meditate or mm -hmm. do something in a quiet space where you're just kind of closing your eyes. You're not fully asleep, but you're still, that allows your brain to kind of get some of that mm -hmm. energy and recovery back in a shorter yeah. amount of time. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. So <laughs> why don't, why don't we talk about how sleep affects performance? Cause Claire, I know you brought something to the table. Yeah, I came up. Well, the, the main things from a positive perspective that I wanted to hit on that I kind of already mentioned were the repairing and rebuilding muscle, which is super important, and then the the memories. No. Um, if we're getting suboptimal sleep or if we're not sleeping enough, then we can run into a lot of problems. Right. So things like obviously just being tired is an issue, not having enough energy, but your mood can be impacted. Mm -hmm. um, you can experience a shorter time to exhaustion. Um, you can experience things like poor nutrition choices. So like when you're tired – Typically, you're not like, oh, what, where can I go that's going to give me this much protein and all these nutritious things so that I can recover? It's like, I'm hungry, what's available? And your brain, if you're tired too, your brain is going to probably um, opt for higher carb, higher fat, calorie dense foods because it's like, I'm hungry, I know these are going to satisfy that. Yep. And you just kind of don't have that willpower or brain power to really make good choices right for that candy bar <laughs> yeah exactly and in some cases maybe that's yeah. that would be an okay choice but if we're you know constantly sleep deprived we're not going to make good choices mm -hmm. from a nutrition perspective and add hunger on top of that it's just a recipe for disaster um and then it also increase your risk for injury right? If you're not recovering because you're missing out on all those hormone releases, you're missing out on building muscle, you're, you know, compounding all of those things. That's an issue. And then we already talked about the, the hormones, but that was another one on there. It really disrupts your body's natural hormone release system. And that's going to affect everything. Your endocrine system is a really complex system that keeps all sorts of bodily processes functioning. Um, so not only could you, again, have issues with, um, you know, mood, decision making, but also we're going to see detriments in positive adaptations from like a muscle building perspective yep. or like 
um, a thyroid hormone perspective, all of those things that can contribute to your metabolism and, and energy production. Now, speaking about hormones, let's go back to this real quick, just to clarify for our listeners here. You mentioned that it was like stage two around yeah. where, where those things are released yeah. and mm-hmm. that those Sleep cycles spindles. happen multiple times throughout mm-hmm. the night, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not just missing out on one big dose of hormones being released. You're missing out on multiple. Right. You could be missing out on, on, on at least a couple or a few if you're right. not getting adequate mm-hmm. sleep, right? right? Yeah. And there's, um, you know, there's motor learning and things being done throughout these stages. So one of the, you know, the, the biggest things with this is they call, you know, we have muscle spindles Mm -hmm. in um, weight training, and that's part of the adaptations that occur within your muscular structure. That's going to create gains in sleep. They have sleep spindles. Nice. And yeah, so (laughs) your, say you learned something new that day. So you learned a new sports skill or something out of practice that day. Without the adequate rest, you're not going to have those increased numbers of sleep spindles during those cycles that mm-hmm. are going to allow you to commit that to um, those new connections in your brain that are going to allow you to, to perform that better. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I read and saw was a study with rats. Okay. Interesting enough. Um, they connected um, electrodes to the brain to measure the brain waves of these rats going through a maze. Okay. And then they took the the brainwave measurements and assigned a note, a music note to it. So they could create a pattern of what these rats were doing while they were going through this maze and learning it. Mm-hmm. Then they allowed those rats an, you know, a night of rest and then put them through the maze the next day. And they recorded those same sounds. Wow. They found a 20 time increase in the notes in like the speed of the notes. So in terms of the the firing of those neurons mm-hmm. and the plasticity created between these neurons in the brain. Mm-hmm. So therefore, a 20% to 30% increase in performance based on adequate rest. Wow. wow. So like you Go said, rats. <laughs> the, the most underutilized yeah. performance enhancer. Wow. Really? Also, I'd love to hear that what that music sounds <laughs> right? like. Yeah. I was going to try to imitate what I heard, but I'm going <laughs> to yeah. pass on that. We yeah. can Google it. Yeah. You can Google it. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I mean, just incredible to think that sleep yeah. is that important to what you're about to do the next day or what you did the day before mm-hmm. and retaining that. Yeah, and Claire, you mentioned something about injury risk. Mm-hmm. The studies directly correlate um, vertical jump, top end sprint speed, injury risk um, to, you know, the less sleep you get, the worse you get on those. And one of the biggest ones was an increase up to 60% um, likelihood of injury from decreased sleep. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about it, those like stabilizing muscles and little things are start to deteriorate their ability. Mm -hmm. Um, the, you know, the little sleep that you get. So Mm -hmm. The, I, I just thought that was an incredible number to, yeah. be, to pay attention to. Yeah. I mean, I think I think another um, research article is like you're seven times more likely to get injured if you miss out. Um, you get like less than eight hours of sleep, yeah. right? Or less than seven or eight yes, or something goes, like that. Yeah, yeah I low mean, seven like or eight. Yeah. Seven times more likely to get right. injured. That's mm-hmm. huge. That's a large huge. number. Yeah. Seven, any, yeah, seven's large from that perspective, but like 60, 60 times or 60%. Yeah. That's a lot. That's crazy. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think it's important to talk about how much people need, how much sleep. Yeah, absolutely. Because like you mentioned, some people are like, I can survive off four to five hours of sleep. And maybe they, maybe they can, but probably for the most part, they cannot. But I feel like 
if I'm sorry, I'm just going to throw this in here because yeah. I have an experience here. Um, I feel like I can function the next day if I mm -hmm. get like five hours of sleep, but it's that second day. Yeah. Even if I get adequate sleep after getting five hours of sleep, it's that second day after where I feel just yeah. awful. But you also said like keyword, you can function. Yeah. But like, are you living optimally that day? Probably not. Probably not. No, no. <laughs> you're just kind of going through the motions, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you're you're alive, you're, you could go to work, you know, maybe you get a workout in, but like, is it How optimal effective? Is that? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's the, the part that people need to pay attention to. You could do it, yeah. but it's probably not, it's not probably, it's not mm. ideal. Yeah. In the sports world, that's definitely something to think about because mm -hmm. if you're traveling, say you have a big game the next day and you have that anxiousness and anxiety when you're going to bed too, yeah. generally mm -hmm. that doesn't lead to great sleep. The other thing is sleeping in an environment that you're not used to um there's yeah. actually studies that show parts of your brain are not in as restful of a state as they would be in a comfortable environment mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you're you may get your eight to ten hours of sleep that night before and then you wake up and you still don't feel that great but that's because you're sleeping in a hotel in a place that you are yeah. uncomfortable with so yeah that's, that's definitely true a hard environment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for athletes to keep in mind that you're trying to get optimal sleep, maybe those eight to 10 hours, but there's a lot of other factors too. Yeah, come that to play into it. You guys ever stayed at someone's house and you hear way more that night while you're trying and to go voices, to sleep? Yeah, and, yeah, everything creaks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, there are ghosts here. I can't sleep. <laughs> yeah, just being like hyper alert to right. I'm yeah. in a new environment. Right? Yeah, I definitely remember experiencing that in hotels. Like, but, and then the other thing with just the, the bed too, like the mattress is different. The pillows are different. There's, right. And sometimes it's really comfy and sometimes it's really not. Or mm -hmm. really hot, which makes it uh -huh. hard to sleep. Yeah. Or too cold. And then you're like, <laughs> where are the extra blankets? Yeah. There's a lot of things. So you mentioned eight to 10 hours. I think for the majority of athletes that are, you know, maybe 16 and up. Eight hours. Eight to 10 hours. Um, but like adolescent, I guess so maybe like middle school to high school um, athletes because they're still growing and they have that aspect, they probably need or they need similar amounts of sleep to children, like young children. Yeah. So I would argue that they would probably want to shoot for nine and a half, maybe just 10 is would be a good number to shoot for. They're kind of under the exception, like let mm -hmm. them sleep yeah. as much as you can because there's nothing that's going to be good from them being woken up you know, especially super early for school. Mm -hmm. um, like, obviously, that's been a debate for a while about mm -hmm. start times of school yep. for kids. And then you add athletics on top of that. It's just a recipe. It's a lot. For, yeah. 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 I would, I definitely remember that in school. Like, I think in high school, I got up at like 5, 5.30 every morning. And that's, I struggle to wake up at that time yeah. now as an adult when I choose to wake up at that time. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then, yeah, sometimes when I was swimming, I didn't get back, I didn't get home until like 10, 1030. And I was like, I gotta go to bed. So yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to navigate that in terms of like, yeah, this is ideal, but how do you make that a reality when there are things out of your control? But if you can control that and you can go to bed at like 8 PM, do it. Yeah, you should. Yeah. And that's when you can implement naps. Like right. you're probably better off on a regular day, maybe not on a day where you wake up like right before a competition or something, but right. on a regular day to work in a nap time. So you can kind of make up a little bit for that. Yeah. Yeah. Give that's us, what, that's yeah. what I got. I know. Give us by the numbers here in your uh, performance article. Oh, my article. Yeah. Basketball. So I 
this article I actually found um, through CPSDA has an infographic about sleep. Um, and this was mentioned in there. And can, can you tell our listeners what that is? CPSDA is um, the Collegiate and Professional Sports Diet- Dietitians Association. So it's a professional members organization that I'm a member of. Yeah. Yeah. And they have free resources, um, like infographics out there. And so this one was on sleep, and this study was mentioned in it, looking at the effects of sleep extension on the athletic performance of collegiate basketball players. So they were looking at um, 11, this was from 2011, looking at 11 healthy basketball students on the Stanford University men's team. It says varsity, so I'm assuming that means starters mm-hmm. um, in college. So basically they had the these athletes maintain their regular sleep schedule for four weeks for baseline before they followed up with a five to seven week study of extending that sleep time. Um, so they obtained as much nocturnal sleep as possible during the sleep extension with a minimum goal of 10 hours in bed. So they had a minimum goal, but they could go over that um, if they chose to or if they had the ability to. Um, And they measured things like timed sprints and shooting shooting accuracy, reaction time, levels of sleepiness, and mood. And those were all monitored through either scales or obviously sprint time. Um, Are there any specific scales? Yes. So they Mm -hmm. use the psychomotor vigilance task, the Epworth sleepiness scale, Mm -hmm. and profile of mood states. Okay. Okay. Um, So obviously their total nightly sleep increased um, compared to baseline, which is pretty obvious. Um, But all subjects demonstrated a faster timed sprint following the seven weeks of sleep extension. Um, their shooting, shooting accuracy improved with the free throw percentage increasing by 9% and three-point field goal percentage increasing by 9.2%. Both of those are sig- statistically significant, so that means that yeah. that is really important. <laughs> um, mean PVT reaction time and Epworth sleepiness scale both decreased. So just a reminder, the PVT is the psychomotor vigilance task. Um, and calm, these, these decreases mean positive things positive. for their sleep. Yes. Yeah. So the the sleepiness, obviously, they were less sleepy. Right. And then um, their mood, so their, their uh, mood was improved um, because they were less, I guess, I think it goes off depressed. So they were less depressed. Um, and then POMS, which is, again, the profile of mood, that also improved with increased feelings of vigor and decreased fatigue subscales. So they obviously all of these performance measures were improved. And then lastly, they also reported improved overall ratings of just physical and mental well-being, both nice. after practices and games. So overall, um, I think it shows a lot of positive <laughs> improvements in pretty much every aspect of a basketball player's performance Absolutely. just by sleeping more yeah. and and in five to seven weeks too so it wasn't like you have to do this for an entire year to see benefits you can do it for a couple of weeks and you'll already see i mean if you can see nine percent improvement in free throw free throw accuracy yeah. and field goal uh percentage by nine percent that's, that's an average lot. that's an average mm-hmm. percentage wow i mean like that's saying like someone could go up quite a bit that's the difference between shooting you know, 70 
you know, something percent and shooting 80 something percent mm -hmm. from the free throw line. That's winning games right there. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I thought that was a pretty interesting study. I mean, again, it was only in 11 people, but they're, they all showed positive improvement. Yeah, so I and think I bet, that's promising. Yeah. And I bet those 11 people are really affecting the outcomes of the games. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's yeah, nice. Especially if they're all starters. Right. So I thought that was cool. Oh, that is cool. Um, I, I want to, just touch on the research that I looked at too, because I also have the Epworth sleepiness scale mm -hmm. in, in one of my um, research articles here, right? And so Claire just mentioned the positives from just increasing the amount that you sleep, right? Mm -hmm. And how that goes into your performance uh, in your sport. Mm -hmm. uh, the two articles that I have are how what you do can improve the sleep quality that you have as well. So the first one that I have is how resistance training can improve qualities of sleep. Um, now, this was done with um, um, teenage kids from Brazil. Um, so basically, they did a similar thing. They did some 1RM tests. They did some uh, anthropometric measures. They had the Pittsburgh Sleep Quality Index and the Epworth Sleepiness Scale, so both subjective measures of their sleep quality happened. So control group didn't do anything. They had a strength training group, uh, 12 weeks, three times a week, about 55 minutes, uh, eight different exercises that they were doing. So basically what they found is that the strength training group, they improved their, their sleep. I mean, they just improved the quality um, specifically. I mean, they had decreases in both of the uh, questionnaires, which mm -hmm. means it's a positive, which right. means they were getting better sleep. Um, and the individual analysis of everyone was about 67% uh, of the kids who did the strength training um, improved their sleep. And only 17% of the kids who were in the control group improved their sleep based on the subjective measures of the um, questionnaires that they had. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that was just in itself, I mean, without going into the entire thing about, like, what they were doing, but like, it's just the positive effects of yeah. your, um, what you're doing, resistance training can help you sleep, right? They mm -hmm. said strength training, improved sleep quality and increased total sleep duration. All right. So, I mean, those are two pretty big factors as well, but mm -hmm. all of that was, um, just from strength training from these kids who had a normal schedule where they were at school, uh, their food was, uh, very similar for all the, all the groups because they were at the same place. Um, and just how that, just combined and how other studies have shown similar things, but not necessarily specific to this. Um, I will mention one of the things they said was a limitation. I believe here in one of these page. I'm glad they mentioned sleep quality because that's just yeah. as important as sleep time. Definitely. No, absolutely. Um, well, they said they also observed differences in daytime sleepiness as well. So kids mm -hmm. weren't as sleepy during the day because mm -hmm. obviously yeah. they were getting more sleep at night. Um, there was another study they referenced that said that they found no changes in the uh, Epworth sleepiness scale. Mm. But that program was only four weeks. So this one may be because it was a longer duration. So maybe that four-week uh, resistance training mm -hmm. wasn't enough for them to elicit those responses, right? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I think one of the limitations here for this one, as I mentioned, is uh, the subjective measures. But the second one that I have, they wore um, a, a device that basically mm -hmm. tracked how they were sleeping um, on their wrist. Um, strangely enough, the company that provided that 
Hardware, Pensacola, mm-hmm. Florida. That's where they're from. Go Florida. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this was, again, in the youth, but not resistance training now. It was the intensity of their practice and Mm. how that affected, right? Mm. So they did this little um, kind of um, pre-trial, like just trying to get the normal levels where they didn't necessarily do any increase. They were just practicing, right? So kids got uh, acclimated to what was happening around them. And then they had about three weeks where they ramped up um, and then they backed off for the fourth week because it was right before they were going into competition, right? So 13 kids, about 16 years old. Um, they did an external training load, which was through like player load from a wearable device, mm-hmm. which is what they had. They wore it around their waist. Uh, basically, they did uh, acceleration, G-forces, um, gosh, total time, total distance, like wearing that type of stuff. So. Yeah. And they also did internal load, which was their subjective measure for how the practice was or like a RPE type of thing as well. And then the sleep was monitored through the same device, but they wore it on their wrist at that point, non-dominant because it followed other studies before it that had mm-hmm. uh, solidified or established like that was appropriate. Uh, sleep variable variables were total time in bed, total sleep time, sleep latency, which means how quickly you fall asleep. Uh, wake after sleep onset and sleep efficiency. So those were all monitored. Uh, They also had like a a stress tolerance questionnaire that was kind of like, what does it say? Daily analysis of life demands of athletes questionnaire, kind of like how stressed are you or what do you feel? How do you feel about the quality of your life, I guess, after that? Mm -hmm. Um, So the study at the end of it. So they only did three weeks of the actual uh, experimental part, right? Where they just increased it and then they, they backed off for the fourth one because of competition that was coming up. So in that, in that short amount of time with increasing uh, intensity of it, uh, there's an increase in sleep time during the week with the highest training load, which was week two. Uh, their total time in bed was up by 35 minutes. Their total sleep time was up by 46. Uh, it took them five less minutes to go to sleep, and their sleep efficiency was up 3%, all from that wearable device is what they got. Um, no difference in the questionnaire really between the control group and the, um, experimental group. Uh, but the increase in the total sleep time during the microcycle with intensified lows without impairing bedtime and resulting in maintenance of perceived recovery or stress tolerance values. So these kids felt, they felt a little bit better, uh, because they were sleeping better and that came with intense, uh, more intense training on that. Mm -hmm. So I think that that was great that they had some objective measures to, increasing that training load um, and then coming down from that. Um, I will bring up some of the, there was a limitations thing here as well for these, for this group, but I don't necessarily know if I can find it right off the bat because I don't have it marked so <laughs> clearly. But um, yeah, it was um, quite an interesting thing that they were able to find all of this. I, I think, I, I do think my own personal limitation of this study is that it's only three weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's different. I mean, technically they did weeks before, but the experiment was only with the three weeks. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'd like to see how it goes, you know, how it is with an onset. Right. Another thing, this study, we mentioned this earlier with requirements the next day, they all trained at the same time every afternoon, like 2 PM. Mm -hmm. And they had no morning requirements after for those three weeks. Mm -hmm. So this was pretty much a like, best case scenario for everyone and there are studies that they alluded to here where the 
practice time was like later and they had to go, they had some type of like social requirement or training session that was the next morning. And that really uh, kind of decreased their sweep quality or increased their numbers on the scale mm -hmm. uh, that they were um, filling out as well. So it's kind of hard to, to compare all of that stuff together in everyone's situation is completely different, right? right? So if you've got something the next morning, gosh, you need to try to get to bed as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And you got to find the best strategy if you have a late night event and an early morning event coming up back to back to back. Right? Yeah, yeah. And maybe we should kind of throw out some cheat codes to how to get better sleep. Yeah, night nighttime routines. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. good stuff. Talk about that. Yeah, me and Tiana were talking about this earlier, but like we were saying the quality of sleep is so important, mm -hmm. but how do you ensure that it's high quality? Right. So we came up or we both have kind of a list of things mm -hmm. um, that from experience and research too, but I'll rebind and then Tiana can give hers. Um, but definitely have some sort of bedtime routine. So something that is relaxing, something that you enjoy, something that's not overstimulating, um, simple that kind of gets you in that mood to go to bed. Um, sticking to a sleep schedule, which we've kind of talked about throughout this whole thing of keeping the same kind of wake and, and sleep time as much as possible, even on the weekends, even if you're traveling with some exceptions if there are things that come up or you know you have a late game or whatever right. whatever that looks like avoiding stimulating activities before bed you mentioned with the blue light earlier right so trying to avoid going on your phone watching tv if you have to do those things or like you have to be on your computer or whatever maybe wear some blue light blockers i mean for the most part there are settings on phones and computers now yeah. that the right. dim blue light, right? Right. So, but those activities are still stimulating your brain. They so are. trying to trying to stay away from those, maybe read a really boring book <laughs> <laughs> or do some meditation or breathing exercises, things like that, stretching. Um, evaluating your room, evaluating your surroundings. Are they comfortable? Are they, you know, kind of designed to put you in that mood to go to sleep so that you're sleeping comfortably? Um, maybe looking at is your mattress 30 years old and hard as rocks? Maybe that's not ideal for getting quality sleep. Um, from a food perspective, avoid going to bed super full or super hungry. So making sure you're eating dinner at a time where you're not going to go to bed feeling overly stuffed, um, but also you're not eating at 4 p.m. and then going to bed at nine and like I'm starving because you're probably not going to mm -hmm. be able to go to bed. Um very easily. Um, and then avoiding things that are super spicy, fried or acidic, just because those can cause some um, acid reflux or issues from that perspective. And that can make it really hard to go to sleep mm -hmm. too, or maybe you have an upset stomach or things like that. So trying to avoid those things um, and, and being careful about what and when you're eating before bed, just to make sure that you're able to get the, the best quality sleep. Yeah, I think a lot of those overlap with Mm -hmm. what I had, but um, maybe a little bit more into kind of the other side of the light, um, not necessarily in terms of it being stimulating mm -hmm. for activity wise, but in terms of just how it affects circadian rhythm. And, you know, there's a lot of evidence that when you wake up in the morning, you should view morning sunlight mm -hmm. um, because that enters your brain through your eyes and that starts the whole process for you um so making sure that you're not someone who keeps all the curtains closed and stays out of the light as much as you can mm -hmm. you try to get that morning sunlight in 
Um, same thing as the evening comes, you want to make sure you're darkening your home, right? Um, turning off lights if you can, and kind of just setting up that sleep environment. Mm-hmm. Same thing with temperature. One of the things, um, you know, with with environment is your brain needs to cool a couple degrees before bedtime. And it does that naturally, but there's ways to help your body through that process. Um, obviously not having your internal environment too hot in your, mm-hmm. inside your house, mm-hmm. but yeah. also doing something like taking a warm bath because it sounds counterintuitive, but actually you're going to pull all that heat to the surface of your skin, which then once you get out, your body's going to try to cool. Mm-hmm. So um, those are some things to kind of help that process. And then also, which, you know, depending on who you are, might not want to hear this, but um, alcohol and marijuana are REM suppressants. Mm -hmm. So those are going to force your body to um, avoid REM sleep. Right. So the more you do that and, you know, the more often that you're avoiding REM sleep, your body is craving that and craving Mm -hmm. that more. And that's going to lead to detriments in performance because your body doesn't have time to go through that REM sleep where it's cleaning out the brain, reorganizing all of that motor learning and mm-hmm. all the things that, you know, are great from that quality REM sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are also, I guess, nutritionally there from a quality sleep perspective, there are like, there are two supplementary, because one's not a supplement, but like supplementary things that you can incorporate before bed that can help with kind of this like relaxation um, and just getting your body primed. So the first one is tart cherry juice. I love tart cherry juice, but it's a natural source of melatonin. Mm-hmm. So that can be a helpful supplement um, to have or maybe include it in your dinner. Or if you have like some sort of um, like high protein snack before bed, you can incorporate some of that, whether it be in like a concentrate um, or just like 100% tart cherry juice that you get from the grocery store. Um, and then magnesium can be helpful too. So magnesium glycinate um, or biglycinate, bisglycinate, either one. Um, those have naturally kind of relaxant effects. So, um, help to relax your muscles, help with, um, just getting your body kind of, again, in that prime state to go to sleep so that you can go through all of the stages and get really high quality sleep. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hope everyone enjoyed it there. Get some good sleep tonight based on all the tips and information we gave you (laughs) just so you can keep your body functioning really well and, uh, keep yourself in a good mood. All right, we'll uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, Diana. All right, thanks. See ya.